Welcome to Distinct Poplar, a twice-monthly audio fiction series written and narrated by Matt Herzberg from www.distinctpoplar.com. This episode is titled, My Very Strange Neighbor and My Very Unsightly Back, Part 4. From the top of the stairwell she came, descended from her apartment on a carpet of her creatures, those dual geese, she called them, such a disgusting name. Keeney M. Keeley was resplendent in a new outfit, one only befitting the mistress of separately dressed little costumes that she had impressed upon her most favorite creatures. The outfit she wore, her arms spread wide, was a hodgepodge of discarded uniform parts and clothing articles, those commonly associated with policemen, factory workers, and healthcare professionals. Atop her head, she wore a crown, a battered policeman's cap, with its top chewed open and its brim slightly unhinged. Dangling about her neck, like a vestment, were a dozen or so stethoscopes. Over her shoulders hung a cloak of shifting plastic tabs and sticks. She was armored in a hundred thousand discarded name tags and photo IDs, a coat of tiny awkward expressions and blank stares upon vapid little faces that hadn't known how to find their place from business casual to business professional. And with all of that, she couldn't help but fill the air with her throat, that awful music she made, that horrible performance. I was powerless to resist her, hypnotic in her horrific ugliness as she seemed to flow down to me on the swarming backs of her vermin hordlings. The sound of her voice was not enchanting, but instead so painful that my joints turned to butter and jelly. It was all I could do but collapse into the swarm knees first, My very unsightly back held aloft to keep it from the reaches of the dual geese, who now climbed up my neck and hung onto my head, feverishly sticking their dirty claws in my ears and nose, with an unbridled fever to feed upon what I so direly protected. The harvest, said my dad. I'd rather not remember him like this. The harvest, he repeated over again. Harvest! Harvest! Keeney loomed in above me like a fountain statue, gracefully poised with arms delicately raised aloft, the heels of her palms raised in motions to her forehead and then to the sky. The song she issued forth, that horrible noise, continued uninterrupted, battering my mental resistance into smithereens. If there were words to this song, it was as if I could suddenly hear them, though she did not form the syllables. It was as if the wretched tune she issued carried a message, and I was the one who could hear it. That is, until I heard my dad repeat what I thought I was hearing. It's over, she said, 
under that throaty, unsettling tune that sounded like someone horrible was horribly swallowing a dozen horrible bugs all at once. Don't resist. Our eyes became locked in each other's, Keeney and mine, like we were of the same mind, same thoughts, same brain. We took time on you. She sung the words now, our gaze fixated, our thoughts elongated. I grew the perfect specimen on you to keep them little doolgies fed. I'd hate to have that all go to waste, to waste, to waste before the little darlings get a taste. Don't you? I do. I dreamily mumbled. You do? She sung. I do. I repeated back to her. She was happy with me then. I smiled when she smiled at me. It was like we were caught in a loop of self-satisfying self-gratification. I was happy because she was happy because I was happy. Or was it the other way around? I can make it easy on you if you prefer my darling, my brand new darling. I can make it so you don't remember if you like. She hastily offered these things as though they were the actual words of her dreadful singing. Oh, I mumbled dumbly, with drool, with sluggish eyelids, with a heavy forehead. Quite, she offered. It will be like pieces of your memory that you can't seem to find. You will never want to think of it. That's how the others fall into place. That's how your father has fallen into place. I've already started, my new darling. Follow my song till the deed is complete. Follow the tune. Let your thoughts give way to the song I sing. For you, for you, my darling, only for you. I would have done just that. I was completely entranced. I would have followed her back up the stairs without a second thought, followed her up to the floor where her filthy apartment waited, where I would certainly roll out the one thing I was putting myself in danger for protecting, yield that which I had sought to keep from her grasp, that begged me with some unknown telepathic suggestion, the blob of flesh that was cupped in my hands, that quivered and trembled, now as my willpower was fading, lost in Keeney's overpowering music, that horrible song, so badly performed that it became like a pain in my mind, and I had succumbed to, if only in the hopes that it would soon stop if I gave into it. This is what you want? I asked, holding my very scared, very unsightly back up to her. The fleshy glob was working itself into a frenzy. Its flaccid, shapeless exterior began to work itself into something more specific, like flexing muscle would have congruent form with the rest of its exerting body. It was pleading with me desperately, my unsightly back, 
painfully emanating its fear in waves and pulses of invisible energy that made my tongue taste like burning sewage and turn black like bad licorice. Yes, her voice reached its highest pitch. Her eyes went wide, and from under her cloak of plastic bits and unreconciled faces, she pulled forth that same old syringe, the one with the long needle that had issued forth translucent poison, like a snake's spit, its venom. She spurted the stuff from the needle tip across the room, a warning of things to come from my very unsightly back when it gets captured. Speaking of which, there were two overpowering forces now that struggled to influence my fragile mental state. Keeney's trance, like music, and my own unsightly back's rippling emanations of invisible terror. I would have no choice but to take action unless the worst would happen, something I'm not terribly proud of, to say the least. I gathered up the fleshy remain of my unsightly back. It was practically in the shape of a brick. As she reached out to claim it, I brought it back from me, forcing it into my mouth. I sought to consume it whole, much to even my own surprise when the decision was made. Oh, and my very unsightly back didn't like my decision either, as I struggled to chew it to bits. That is, after it refused to be swallowed whole. In my throat, I could feel it expanding as I stretched my neck like a lizard in the sun, swallowing as hard as I could until I could feel every muscle in my head clench and clamp. Yet my very unsightly back stayed lodged into my throat, refusing to be consumed. The little mound it had become began to choke me as I hastily tried to chew it into submission. I clutched at my own throat, my nails digging into my own flesh as I gasped for air. Tears separated from my eyelids and raced down the sides of my bulging crimson cheek, of which I thought in my own mind had turned blue. However, I could not be denied the dual geese rat creatures were all but feasting on me as I struggled to eat my own very unsightly back. So I strained and swallowed and gurgled and growled, so hard, in fact, that I felt as if each vein in my face, neck, chest, and head would burst from my skin like tiny, wild fire hoses filled with blood. In one complete final effort, I bit down upon that which had been a part of me once, my own flesh which trusted itself into my care and protection. It quivered in fear as it was pulled down into the back of my throat, with my tongue acting like a lever to push as I tilted back my head. In one final gulp it was done, and I held open my mouth to show the swarm of creatures and their mistress what I had done. No! The enchanting tune ended when she saw what I had done, the surprise of which caused Keeney to stop singing. The vermin creatures descended into chaos without their music, so direly necessary for their instruction. The pooped-faced woman's creepy calm to command them evaporated into a throaty gulp of pure shock. Each gnashing creature turned upon the other, instead of feasting upon me.
biting and clawing, gashing and bleeding until the floor was littered with their little corpses. My dad was overcome by the dulgies in their ravenous state. They covered my dad in their fur and tiny pink legs. Their mangled teeth punctured skin, and their claws sought to scratch away at his eyes. You fool! shouted Keeney. When the vermin were done with my father, they were rallied back towards their mistress by some infernal instinct. Keeney struggled to regain control of them from her perch on the stairwell, trying to reclaim the lost tune that gave them their instruction. However, she could not recover so easily and instead stooped forward, blowing feverishly into a pitch pipe. You fool! She stammered again, realizing that the effort was futile and throwing the pitch pipe to the floor. It was all much in vain, her temper tantrum. The tune was lost, and hopefully for good. As she backed up the stairs in fear of the fermenting frenzy she had wrought, Keeney's last words were like a warning for me. You don't know what you've done, she said. The little tears were only becalmed by a sweet little song that as of yet only I could sing. Now I've made you swallow it, I interrupted, and all you have left are the hiccups. It was true, too, as Keeney's snarling face revealed when she reached a hand up to cover her mouth. The first of many displaced notes of that awful song were being jettisoned by her body in forcibly pained squelches. It would be free, she warned, as another awful note released itself into the air from her innards. The tune will return, and when it does... But that was the last thing I heard her say, as the dual geese finally overcame her, like a gruesome blanket of claws and chomping fangs was attempting to tuck her in for good. Then for a moment, I realized the exit was clear right behind me, the way free and unfettered. All that I had to do was walk backwards, slowly and carefully, except for one small expanding problem. I was choking again. My throat was on the verge of being buckled open from within. My unsightly back had become my bane, and it was sealing off the air as it wiggled its way back up from whence I had swallowed it. I stumbled around the room, clutching at my throat. My fingers would not cease clamping and clenching under the soft flesh of my skin. It must have looked as though I was trying to strangle myself. I had to be free of it my very unsightly back worming its way back to life. But I wouldn't regurgitate it in front of the dual geese and Keeney M. Keeley, whose screams were muffled by the sick, soft expulsions of her awful song, one wet note of terror at a time. Let me tell you that my very unsightly back, it came back. It couldn't be stopped as it forced itself from my throat on a wave of bile. A guttural sound issued forth, a hellish belch that heralded the unsightly back's return. Fortunately for me, I had stumbled in the right direction, as this was all happening no matter how hard I tried to chew it back. Backwards, and head over heels, and back out the front door of my filthy apartment building I went. I had tripped on the heavy, 
breathing body of my dad, whose details even now seem difficult to fetch from a foggy memory. Who was he? What was he like? And how long had we lived in that filthy apartment building? It seemed to make less and less difference. It was like Keeney had found a way to make me forget things, just like she had said. In fact, I would rather not go into it at all. I tumbled backwards in one fell swoop, rolling down the expanse of the stoop in the sidewalk. When I finally stopped and my head stopped spinning, I felt the last wave of nausea come to completion. That was all it needed, my very unsightly back, to come loose from the last bit of my throat. Sitting up, I strained one last time with open palms at the ready to catch the blob that all but fell from my straining throat. Like a cat that suffers the largest hairball of its existence, there in my hands, my open palms stained with wretch and fingers covered in bile, there it was, my blob of flesh. It rippled and quivered and trembled all the same as before. But I could feel a different sensation coming from its fleshy exterior, a sense of longing, like a lost pet returned home. Comfort like a warm blanket on a fall morning, calm, like rain spattering the window panes of my bedroom. Now my very unsightly back was safe and content and serene. I held it close to my chest and breathed as deeply as I could, now that we were both quite safe. You've been listening to My Very Strange Neighbor and My Very Unsightly Back, Part 4. Written and narrated by Matt Herzberg. Copyright May 9th, 2018. The intro music for this episode is done by Kevin McLeod. For more information, check the show notes in this episode's description. For more stories like this one, as well as ebooks and information about the city that forgot to stay clean, check us out online at www.distinctpoplar.com or through our social media. Just search for Distinct Poplar on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stop by. Say hi. <laughs>